0: Well, many of you were here in this space last night. Uh, We celebrated with our youth pastor, Kristen and Wesley, as they got married and uh, it was a great party afterwards, a great celebration. And so uh, some of us are running on fumes today, uh, but it was a great experience. And there was one moment in the the ceremony that meant a lot to me. Uh, In the beginning, as a father, I've always thought about one day if I give my daughter away... Uh, how important and impactful that will be in like 30 years. She's 13, so like 50, um, that'll happen. Um, but before the father gives his daughter away, I always make the, the bride and groom give their intent, the declaration of intent. Um, they make their I do's there at the very beginning in the presence of their dad. Uh, of the, the bride's dad. I want him to know what they're promising before he gives her away. And then we included something last night, and we included this idea um, that all of our relationships, really the health of our relationships, are determined by the community that we're a part of. Right? And, and if you want to have a healthy relationship, be a part of a healthy community. It really matters who you surround yourself with. And so. We talked last night for Kristen and Wesley how the church is a community for them that will help them in their marriage. Uh, They have no idea what they're entering into. Uh, Lots and lots of good times. There's going to be some difficult days for Kristen and Wesley, and we said that the community plays a role in that as well, that we support them and encourage them, we pray for them, uh, we uplift them, uh, we are there for them. And so her father heard that as well uh, before he gave Kristen away. And I was just thinking about it for us in this series, uh, everything we've been talking about, and I'll go through a, a quick synopsis here in a minute for, for those of you who have maybe missed a week, um, but our health and what we're trying to do really should be done in community. Uh, the series called Invisible, as we're looking at this idea of making the, the kingdom of God tangible for people, what often seems out there, this big idea, can be difficult at times. Uh, not just for people who are investigating uh, God, but I think for all of us. There are those moments in our lives, right, those, maybe those dark moments where we just doubt and we wonder and we're not sure of what we believe. And if we're surrounded in the midst of community, there, there is support and health in that. And so I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of research and study going on about this. Um, as they look at depression and they look at how that's connected to isolation, Um, I've grown up in in families. I've got people around me who have struggled with this, and and often isolation takes place and they withdraw, and that's one of the worst things that can happen. Um, One of the the best things that can happen is to be involved in community that supports and uplifts. Uh, There was a great TED Talk. I don't know if you ever watched TED Talks, um, but this this guy, a British journalist, Johan Hari, I'm probably saying his name uh, wrong, uh, he discussed addiction. And and rather brilliantly, he opposed that addiction is not simply sobriety. Um, He said it's connection. Uh, His statement echoes a theme that many 21st century addiction specialists have said for years. That addiction is not simply the pleasurable effect of something, of a substance specifically. It's about the user's inability to connect in a healthy way to other human beings. In other words, researchers, psychologists are saying that addiction is not just a substance disorder, but often a social disorder. Uh, There was a a study that was done in the 70s and 80s, and they would take a rat and they would put it in a cage, and they would give it two bottles of water. One was laced with heroin, and one was pure water. Uh, And these rats before long would always go to the bottle with the drugs in it. Uh, often killing themselves by drinking this heroin-induced laced uh, water. Uh, Well, there was a psychologist, Bruce Alexander, who came along and didn't like the study. Uh, He didn't like the study that the rat was alone in a small cage. And so you can research this, but they came up with rat park. uh, And this rat park uh, was 200 times larger than the cages the other rats had been in in the initial study. Uh, They weren't alone in the park. Uh, They were given uh, hamster wheels and balls to play with and food to eat and spaces for mating and being with other uh, rats. And they still gave them the two bottles of water. And research showed that rarely ever did the rats go to the heroin-induced water. There was no need for it. Researchers said they had the community around them that kept them from needing that. They ignored it. They even started some rats in the cage alone who had been using heroin, and then when they put them in the rat park, they no longer went back to it. There's something that happens in the midst of community. Uh, Brene Brown, who is maybe one of my favorite authors and speakers, uh, she says this. A deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need of all people. We're biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. When those needs are not met, we don't function as we were meant to. We break, we fall apart, we numb, we ache, we hurt others, we get sick. And this is true for all people. I think this is true for all people, all economics, all races, all genders, all ages. We were created for community. We were created to belong to someone. We see this in the very beginning with Adam and Eve. As Adam is created and he is in paradise. Everything is perfect. He is in perfect relationship with God. There is no sin. But then we see the Father say that it is not good for man to be... Alone, even in the very beginning, the way God set things up and created it was for connection, for community, for people to be together. So, everything we've discussed so far, and I'm gonna run through it in a second, in the series Invisible, is meant to be lived out in community. Um, that, that the spiritual journey, your spiritual journey, wherever you find yourself, we are all in a different place that your spiritual journey is not meant to be traveled alone. I know a lot of people who are kind of at that place, Um, whether it's online church, and there's nothing wrong with, with that. There's something great. I watch a lot of stuff online. It's a place where I grow and learn, but that has become people's experience of community and church, and that's not how I think God has created it. I think God has created us to, to do this together, to to journey with God, with one another and not alone. And so as we've looked at this idea of invisible, we're really looking at the the Christianese terms would be evangelism and discipleship. What does it look like for us to introduce the good news of God to people? How do we help other people experience that? We're looking at this term discipleship. What does it look like for people to walk along this journey, to to learn what it means to follow Jesus as we are learning what it it means to follow Jesus? Jesus and so we said look we most of us I think want to do this we want to figure this out something's happened in our lives and our hearts and we're like look the people around us our friends our coworkers, our neighbors we want them to experience the love of God but we don't always know how we've seen it done poorly and so we said what well, what does this look like well we looked at the very beginning and said look the beginning of all of this the beginning of what God begins doing through Jesus is incarnation it just means God in the flesh that Jesus moves into our neighborhood He becomes a good neighbor to people. He shows the kingdom of God. It becomes very tangible. It's no longer out there. Jesus is rubbing shoulders with people. And we said that's what we have to do as well. We have to understand that we live incarnationally with people, that the spirit of God dwells in us, that if you are a follower of Jesus, that everywhere you go, the kingdom of God goes with you. And so you live incarnationally with people. And when you do this, hopefully the reputation of Jesus and Christians and the church begins to take maybe a better reputation than we've seen over the past. Some people don't want anything to do with God because what they've seen in the lives of Christians, fair or unfair. So we said, look, if we're going to do this, then we have to pay attention to the reputation that we are forming about Jesus. And then when that happens when we begin to, as best we can, we will not be perfect, but as best we can, we live out the principles of the kingdom, then what happens is there's conversations. There's conversations of grace and truth. There's opportunity to speak about who God is, but also to speak truth to people. Not as a judge, but as we said, in rocking chairs, on a porch, relationally, speaking about the goodness of who God is. And then we said, look, part of that conversation is going to be about you. What is God doing in your life? What has he done? What is he doing? What do you believe that he will do? And then that leads to this moment of confrontation. Not arguments, not fights, but a confrontation internally that we have all experienced. And the hope is that if we do this, if we live out incarnationally, we we build on the reputation of Jesus in the church, When the the conversations happen and the confrontation comes, then there'll be this moment for people where they begin to experience God for themselves. That we hope they'll begin to take that journey, that they will understand that God loves them, that, that their past is their past, that there's forgiveness and grace, and there's a purpose to their future. Right in the very beginning, John 1, 14, we looked at in the beginning of this, it says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Eugene Peterson, who paraphrased the Bible in what's called the message, and I read this, I'll read it again, it says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. But here's what I want you to know. Jesus doesn't simply move into the neighborhood. He doesn't begin to to show up and walk with people simply so people will be converted to an idea or a religion. Jesus comes to do this to bring transformation to people. Transformation to our hearts and to our minds. Transformation to whole communities. If you see Jesus, you see the Father. And we know the Father's heart. We believe God wants what's good for us. He wants us to experience life to the fullest. And this is Jesus as well. And so as we think of Jesus coming, he, he comes and he helps transform people's lives. And he doesn't go at this alone. Jesus, who we believe is God in the flesh, invites people to come along with him to experience this for themselves. The goal for Jesus, for his followers, for those who heard him speak, was transformation. For people to learn how to really be human. How to really live life and live it to the fullest. If you've read the scriptures, there's a a part in Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, This is one of the only times where we see really Jesus preach an extended amount of time. And he would say things like, you've heard it said and the things he's talking about that you've heard it said were almost always external things, right? Don't commit adultery, external. But the Jesus says it's about your heart. If you even look at a woman, if you look at a man in lust, that something has happened internally, And what Jesus is saying is, it's not just about an outward appearance. It's not just about what happens externally, but, but God is after changing our hearts, there's this renovation project that God is after. I hope for my own journey with God that it's not simply I go to God and I, and I think about Jesus when I need help or I need guidance. But I've invited him to move into my life. Not just the neighborhood, but move into my life completely. Where every part of me is changed because of following Jesus. Jesus. It's renovating everything about me, everything I think about, how I view people, what, what I see is what is just and right, the injustice that's around us. That should do something to us, right? We should see needs, and we should see the hearts of other people who are not in a good place, and something should happen to us. And so Jesus moves into not the neighborhood only, but into our hearts and renovates everything and I don't know if you've ever done a renovation project. Uh, I've done one house and doing it now. It's hard. For me, at least, it is, it is hard work. I don't know if you've ever seen any renovation projects that haven't gone well. Here's just two quick pictures. I thought these were funny and I connected with them. Uh, here's the first one. <laughs> Not sure they measured uh, the steps and how that was going to work. Uh, I could see myself doing that and I thought this was interesting. The next one, uh, they put the garage in, they pour a driveway and... Leave it a little short. Not sure how that's going to work. Uh, don't want to cut down the tree. But, but renovation projects don't always go well. They don't always go as smooth as we want. And just like these, they, they don't always go like we want for ourselves. But if we're honest, they don't always go like we want for other people. right? Maybe this is the point when we've been walking with someone and they decide to follow Jesus they believe in the good news of Jesus. They've turned from whatever they've needed to turn from. They've turned to God, but then it's difficult. The, the thing that they've dealt with, it, it seems like they deal with again, and you've been walking with them, or they disappeared on you, and you've been trying to help them. That is hard work. Uh, some of you, I've talked about a young man that I have been helping for a, a little while um, taught him to drive, and just really had been helping him. He was a homeless youth, and uh, there were some of you who even helped, and we, we were really pouring into this young guy's life, uh, and it was difficult, and he would kind of ghost us, and we couldn't get a hold of him, and, and then all of a sudden, it just kind of disappeared. And I'll text him, and I'll send him messages, and there's no response. I don't know where this young guy is at this point. And that's hard. It's hard. It's hard as I've pointed to the kingdom, and I've tried to help the reputation of God with him, and, and, and I've, I've helped him as much as I could, and then he gets to that point, and then the transformation starts to come, and things begin to look different, and it becomes difficult, and then he's just gone, and so oftentimes, I think for us, we just kind of stop at that point, point. and so that's where we need community because transformation in your life and in other people's lives is really hard alone but that is the goal of Jesus. Paul says uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. This is Paul who was destroying churches and then he begins creating churches. God does something in his life. There is a transformation. That's the only way we could see it, that that God transforms Paul's heart and his mind. His past is a part of the story, but it's his past. He has a new purpose and a new future. And he says to a group of people, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and Paul would say himself is in Christ, he is a new creation. His old life, I mean, those memories, the things he participated in, those things are gone. He has this new life. And Paul is saying that God is after transformation in our hearts. So as we think of incarnation and reputation and conversations and confrontation, I believe it's all leading to transformation. It's about light breaking into darkness. Darkness in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. Jesus says for himself that he is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is what Jesus is after as he moves into the neighborhood. Helping people come to know who God is, how God sees them, God's love for them is a part of this process. And it really happens best in community, but doesn't always this often happens one-on-one in in personal relationships but walking with people through transformation and heart change definitely does better in community it doesn't have to happen alone and that's for you and for me as well and so as we said it's hard it can first of all take time to put our faith in Jesus and even more as they or we attempt to become more like Jesus I mean, think about your own life. Like, just be honest with yourself for a moment. And, and think about where you were whenever you, if you have, begin to follow Jesus. And think about where you are now. Is there change? Is there transformation? Has there been slow moments of transformation? Have there been moments where maybe you haven't seen much transformation? It's hard, but it never ends transformation never ends it will never end for you it will never end for me the holy spirit will continue to work on us and so jesus leaves he goes to the cross he's put to death he's taken down he's put into a grave three days later he comes back he gives instructions to his disciples and then he leaves he says i'm sending the holy spirit to you to guide you to help you But then he tells this early group of followers of him, these early Christians, the early church, it's now up to you. You are building a church, you are a community that will literally change the world. We're here today. We are gathered in this place today because Jesus equipped a group of followers and said, It's now on you. And they believed him and they did it. And they did it in community. Hugh Halter, who has had an impact on me and uh, read a lot of his stuff, and, and a lot of this has been influenced by him. He says this, as we think about communities, we're referring to communities of a unique band of friends who live intentionally to become more like Jesus together. They share a common story and a common struggle. They confess sin, and they create rhythms that propel them out into the culture as kingdom representatives. We do this together. We are an interesting band of friends. And so I want to give you several reasons, several things, just in the last few minutes, several things uh, why I think this happens in community best, what happens, and why it's so important for for us, for all of us, to do our part to create a community where all people feel like they can belong. That that it's our responsibility collectively when people walk into this space that we care for them, that we're kind to them, that we're welcoming to them, that we're also friendly to them. And so there's something that can happen when that happens. And so here's what I think happens. In community, we see Christ in a tangible way. When you live life in Christian community in the church specifically we see christ in a tangible way i was telling you about the early church uh, acts 4 as an account of what the church is doing i didn't say this earlier but if you don't own a bible there's one around you uh, you can have that uh, that's our gift to you the page number is for that but if you want to look at that it says this <clears throat> it says all the believers were one in heart and mind there was unity no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet and was distributed to anyone as he had need. How in the world do people get to that place? I mean, how does this early group of Christians, in a period of about three years, change their lives so dramatically? It's because they walked with Jesus, they saw what Jesus did, they believed Jesus, and then they lived radically. They radically lived in community. We see that this happens, and then you would, in in Acts, you would see that, like, these people would come to follow Jesus. They would come to give their lives to Jesus. It would say things like, so many people were added to the church, and it was because these group of people were living in community and living out what it means to follow Jesus. They were loving one another, and so people on the outside saw that group of people and how they loved each other. And then they thought, well, I want to investigate that. I want to see what that looks like. It was moments, even and we see the other letters that Paul writes, where we see Paul challenge and there's confession and, and then there's forgiveness that comes and then people on the outside said, man, they, they aren't perfect all the time and they're not nice to each other all the time, but man, they admit when they're wrong and they confess their, their mistakes and then there's forgiveness. And I want to investigate what that looks like. Or there was prayer for healing and hope in community. And people on the outside saw lives transformed and changed and they wanted to see what that looked like. Or in community when you grieve or mourn when there's loss that you've experienced and you're not alone. I mean, my family's experienced that lately in uh, a great loss in just with meals and time and conversations and grace and hope. Honestly, I don't know what that looks like without a community of people who come alongside of you, right? There's this interesting thing that happens when we live in community with one another. The reality of the good news of the gospel is made known in the practices of Christian community. Not that they're just talked about or someone stands on a stage and preaches about it, but when it's tangible to people, right? Jesus says that that they will know that you are my disciple by the way you love one another. And so that happens in Christian community. I also think that in community there's opportunity for accountability. As we're trying to be transformed and we're trying to change, there's something that happens when we Get in deep relationships with people, and we admit our weaknesses. And then there's people to encourage us, to challenge us, to question us, to ask us how we are doing. There's opportunities in community to speak truth to one another. We see this with Jesus, uh, Mark 10, 13, 16 It says people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. This should be encouraging. Uh, the disciples who walked with Jesus, they just there were times they didn't get it. Uh, these kids are being brought. The disciples rebuke it for happening. And it says, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Indignant is a strong word. He was angered. He was annoyed at his disciples. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. This is Jesus in a moment with his disciples in community saying, Whoa, you're missing it. Let me, let me speak some truth to you. Let me show you what the kingdom of heaven looks like. This happened because they were in community and in relationships with one another. And let me just encourage you. This will always happen better in circles than it will in rows. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, real, authentic community will always happen better in small groups of people than they will in people sitting in rows listening to someone talk. Right? It's been interesting. On Thursday mornings, there's a group of guys who meet at 6 a.m. at Tony's Donuts. And man, there has been these moments where some real, honest conversations have taken place that don't happen here but it happens around a table where we read scripture and guys say that's hard for me or I'm not doing well in that area we're looking for people who want to host groups I'm looking for people who say look I don't know if I want to lead but I'd be open to opening my home looking for people who would lead small groups but here's the good news it doesn't have to be programmed It doesn't have to be something we as Trinity begin to launch. It could just be groups of you, three or four, who say, look, I I just need some help as God is transforming me and changing me. And you bring someone else along and you do this in a circle, not necessarily in a row. And when you do that, there's room for doubt and for struggle and honest conversations. See, I hope I never get to a point where I think I have it all figured out. That maybe... God will continually be molding me and making me more like Jesus. That the dangerous part, if you're a follower of Jesus, the dangerous part is when we no longer hear from God. That we never hear God nudging us, or guiding us, or challenging us, or encouraging us. Ask God to speak to you. Ask God to challenge you and encourage you, and then... Can I encourage you to find community to do that with someone else? In community, there's an opportunity for you to serve. There's an opportunity for your gifts to make a difference. Uh, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. It says this. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Paul is saying, as the body, we are all important. We all play a role in what God is doing here. It is not about one person, it is not about a few people, it is about each one of us. You have a part to play. I, I coach sports, and baseball's always funny because baseball's a little slower of a sport. Uh, and so we had 12 players on my team this year. Nine would play at a time. And it was always interesting. I had a handful of kids who so was like, can I sit this inning? Can I sit, can I sit on the sidelines? We had this one little boy who always loved to go and sit in the stands with my wife. I'd be like, Where, where's the eye? And he'd always be sitting up in the stands, right? And no big deal, but listen to me. A lot of us do church that way. Can I say that lovingly? A lot of us don't see that we have a role to play in the health of this community. That every one of you are gifted. Every one of you has put a call on your life. You were created with a purpose. You are God's handiwork, as the Bible says, created for works of service. And so can I just encourage you, don't be the one who raises their hand to sit on the sideline. And and I don't say this to make you feel guilty, I don't say this because I think you should just do it, but I say this as your pastor because this is who I think God has created you to be. And I think that in community, there's an opportunity for us to use our gifts in all kinds of ways. Do you have the gift of hospitality and welcoming people? Serve in that way. Are you good with kids? Do you, do you love kids and want to help them follow Jesus? Then work with our, our little kids and our students. Are you gifted in music? participate there are you gifted in teaching let's use that there like we all have something to give there there is no uh, place where you cannot come and serve and so this happens in community and then finally in community there's an opportunity for us to collectively be ambassadors for God we use this word in the series a couple of times Uh, it is as if you are speaking on behalf of God and we do that together We will have a much bigger impact together than you ever will alone. We will do way more for our community together than we ever can alone. As we make a difference, whether it's with Sweet Reads or the mobile market, mentoring and tutoring, when we see injustice and we speak up against it, when we fight for our community, that will happen much better together than it will anyone doing on their own. This is how transformation happens. Transformation does not happen by yourself. And so let's be a hub. Let's be a center of Christ's love together. That as we reach out to our community, we live incarnationally. People experience who God is just because we are with them. Let's build a good reputation for who Jesus is. Let's not pretend to have it all figured out. Uh, let's let the reputation begin to lead to conversations where we point to Jesus we point to the king and the kingdom and we just talk about what he's been doing in our lives we have those conversations and then I believe because the scriptures say it that the Holy Spirit will then begin to confront people confront confront people in such a way where they experience who they are who they've been created to be in the love of God in their lives and then as they begin to follow Jesus and the transformation takes place we do it collectively we do it together, and this happens in community. It doesn't happen by yourself. What could happen as Greg comes up and we sing this last song together? What, what could happen to a community, to North County, when a group of people make the kingdom of God tangible? Well, we're seeing it. We're seeing it take place. We're seeing it happen. And so I want to be a part of that. And, and, and I know and believe that you do as well, and that's why you find yourself here today. As you begin to think about, well, what does it look like to, to participate? What does it look like to serve? And maybe you don't know. Um, talk to me. Let's figure it out together. Maybe there's something we're not doing, um, and we've been waiting for you. We've been ma- waiting for your gifting. Uh, the body has not been completed and you have entered into the picture and want to play a role talk to me let's figure this out together would you stand as i pray and we sing this last song together father i am so thankful for your patience in our lives Uh, you have called us to make disciples you have called us to be the light of the world and lord uh, it's been difficult at times to do that but we don't always know what that looks like. And so God, would you begin to speak to us and challenge us? Would you help us to put these things into practice? Um, As we think about transformation and what we want for the people around us, uh, God, would we first start with ourselves? Would you search our hearts first? Would you search our minds? Anything that does not align or look like you, would you begin to change? Would you point those things out in our lives and would we be receptive to the Holy Spirit? guide us and direct us in our lives and that would you help us as we walk along with people in community would you help us to, to be a community that is welcoming and open to all people all people all people created in your image help us to do that God that we give you thanks and believe that our friends our neighbors, our family, our co-workers who don't know about your goodness yet will come to know it they will come to know the grace you have extended to them and the purpose you bring to their lives. And God, we just ask that you would allow us to be a part of that and to play a role in that happening. We pray this all in Jesus' name.